Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome back. Thanks for joining me. Great to have you along. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Claire Schmidt. Claire is the CEO and founder of a fantastic business called All Voices. Now, All Voices is a reporting platform and case management tool that enables employees to safely report harassment, bias, culture issues, and other feedback directly to their company's leadership. And it's obviously just so important in these crazy days we live in. Claire, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. And where are you calling in from? So I'm calling in from Los Angeles. Good stuff. Well, yeah, I'm really curious and keen to learn about All Voices because it looks really interesting and I love what you're doing. So perhaps you could take us back to the formation and what led you up to that point. Yes, I would love to. Um, So I was working as vice president of technology and innovation at 20th Century Fox, and I actually really enjoyed my job there. Um, I worked with some great people. Um, So it didn't come out of a a personal experience with harassment or mistreatment in that job. But really what inspired me to start thinking about this topic in general was I read Susan Fowler's blog post about her experience at Uber. Um, And for those who are not familiar, Susan Fowler was a junior level engineer at Uber. She experienced sexual harassment from her manager on her first day. Um, It was documented. Um, She took it to HR and she was basically told, we're not going to do anything about that. You know, he's a high performer. And I actually hear this story now all the time. Um, But at the time it really shocked me and it made me start to think about why we ask people who are, you know, more vulnerable often or more junior or have more to lose um, to be the ones to raise their hands and speak up and say when something you know, challenging has happened to them. That's not necessarily their fault ever. Um, But yet they're the ones whose, you know, careers get put at risk, who are likely to experience retaliation, who, um, you know, can experience trauma simply by going back into the same office over and over as things aren't dealt with and feeling exposed for having spoken up. And so, Um, I really wanted to think about whether there was a way that technology could play a role in helping to solve some of those kinds of problems, perhaps more proactively, um, and perhaps in a way that felt safer for employees, um, specifically the employees who were experiencing these issues, whether it's harassment or bias or mistreatment or bullying, discrimination. There's a long list of things that um, people can use all voices to report about, but Um, At the time, it was all just an idea. So I spent about six months exploring the space, trying to get a sense of whether HR or company leaders were using any kinds of tools to help employees more safely speak up. And the only thing I really found were whistleblower hotlines, which are really intended for employees to speak up about, you know, financial fraud and um, illegal activity. Exactly. Illegal activity. And then culture surveys kind of on the other end of the spectrum, which are more like check-ins. How are you feeling? Do you like your job? Would you like to stay here for another year? Um, But they don't really lend themselves to collecting really specific 
you know, incident-based information. So I felt like there was a huge opportunity to serve that whole kind of gray space in between those two. Um, And that was really the concept behind all voices is to give employees kind of an always on listening tool where they could speak up about anything in real time. They could do so anonymously if they wanted, and their, their information would be shared directly with company leadership. And it could be used kind of as a jumping off point for leadership to, you know, communicate with them, ask more questions and ultimately take action. It's funny that people listening to this, I don't think there's any issue. They're in the HR world. They deal with this, but plenty of managers would probably say, oh, we would have a trusting environment. People can raise stuff. But I know from personal experience running, for instance, just employee surveys and feedback sessions, things like that, where you have anonymous questionnaires filled in, submitted, and then you report it to the the management team. And this has been in many businesses around the world. I've always experienced where the management team will be really curious. Oh, who said that? What was that comment about? Who said that one? I'm, what, what? And these are just innocuous little comments about, I don't know, haven't got the right computer or whatever it may be. So that's just at that very basic level. So people are scared to raise some of those issues sometimes, as I say, at a very innocuous level. But the things you're talking about, yeah, I can imagine the fear factor would be huge for these poor people. So how does it actually work? How does it integrate with systems or how do people use it and report with it? Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned these smaller scale issues because those get raised through our system as well. Um, ah. I did not think that would be the case. So I did not think people would want to be anonymous or want to have like a safe way to ask the question about benefits, for example. Like why, in my mind, I didn't see why that would be feel risky for employees. But really what we've found is that there's so much that employees are thinking about and wondering about and questions they have and feedback they have. And it's not just restricted to those more serious issues. Um, And yet in many cases, they don't feel comfortable bringing it up to someone. Maybe they don't want to look like they're complaining. Um, They don't want to seem like the squeaky wheel. You know, if it's a benefits question, one example I've heard is like, do we have a maternity leave policy? They may not want to say that to somebody or ask that of somebody because maybe they're pregnant and they don't want to tell anyone yet, or maybe they're just thinking about getting pregnant. They don't want to experience kind of like that motherhood bias that we all know exists. So it's really interesting, the breadth of ways in which employees are using this platform um, far beyond what it was intended for. But to answer your question, yeah. Um, which is great. It's, it's really exciting. We always tell our customers, like the more you're hearing from employees, the better, because in many cases, these are people who would never have brought something up to you um, directly. Um, so, and, and it stops stuff from festering, right? Exactly. It, they're bringing it up as early as possible. So they're not waiting for things to get out of hand. It gets really serious. Maybe they get super disengaged and unproductive. They might, you know, write negative reviews on Glassdoor. They might quit their job. They might sue the company, talk to the press, talk to social media. So there's so many downstream kind of negative effects that can happen that are negative for the companies as well. Um, if an employee is not given a safe way to speak up internally um, as early as possible. Yeah. And so, sorry, to answer your question, <laughs> which I didn't even start to answer yet, <laughs> the way it works is really simple. It's a, it's mobile responsive. So it's like a mobile responsive site. Um, 
Each company that we work with gets a custom URL where they can send their employees. Um, employees are guided through the process of sharing feedback. Um, they answer a couple of structured questions. It's intended to be really simple and calming and easy though. Um, and then at the end, we just um, ask for a follow-up mechanism for them. So um, in most cases, it's mobile phones. So we'll send their mobile phone a verification code. We make it very clear. We never see their phone number. Their company never sees their phone number, but it provides us with a way to actually facilitate the follow-up conversation between them and their company. Um, and as soon as they submit their report or their feedback, the company uh, leaders who are um, assigned as administrators on the back end will get notified that there's a new report. They'll be prompted to actually respond to that employee and, um, and either say, thank you for your feedback or answer the question or say, we're looking into this, whatever it might be. Um, and as soon as they send that response, the employee gets a text from all voices that just says your company has responded to your report. Um, and they're able to cl click a link and view um, the message and respond back directly, all while remaining anonymous if they choose to. So that's kind of high level how it works. I can imagine you would ultimately either provide information or training or partner with companies that do for the employer on what to do next. Is that right? Or are you doing something already? Or what's the plan there? So we do provide a lot of support for our customers. So we have um, best practices guides. We have templates for them to kind of build off of in terms of how to respond to different types of feedback or different types of reports. Um, we've started to do some like benchmarking and um, create some kind of action planning guides. So in terms of like what we're working on in the future, that's a big part of, of we're going to be building out a lot of that even further. Um, Cause it is really important that the company, you know, receives the feedback or report and takes appropriate action. So a lot of our future product development roadmap is really tied to helping companies respond more efficiently and effectively to employees. Um, and then, yeah, sometimes let's say, so there's a dashboard overview that the companies have where they can see kind of high level, what are the types of reports we're getting by department, by location, they can see patterns and trends. And oftentimes, you know, if a number of people are bringing up, um, let's say mm. unwelcome jokes and comments happening in a given department, maybe it's time for a communication about what type of language is appropriate um, for the company. Or if it's more serious, maybe harassment reports are coming in, for example, maybe they, they need to do a harassment training or specifically a training for a given department or location. So there's a lot of, um, and that would obviously happen through like a, a partner of ours or an outside party. So we can make recommendations for that kind of sort of holistic action as well. Excellent. And so what kind of companies or employers are using the platform and what's your future as you envisage it? I would say um, we have a, a wide variety of companies using the platform. So these types of issues that come up, they're happening in every company, right? And for the most part, in terms of um, whether the that company's leaders are taking action and are aware um, that is what kind of varies a lot from company to company. And so I would say the companies that are working with us are trying to be really proactive about 
um, creating multiple reporting channels for employees, making sure that everyone feels comfortable speaking up um, and feels heard. Um, and they're trying to take proactive actions so that they can, you know, build and sustain really healthy company cultures. Um, so I would say that's kind of the thread that knits them all together is just they're being proactive. They want to hear from employees and they, they know that, you know, current systems and solutions are not working. Um, and they're trying to be creative about kind of what more they can do to make employees feel, um, psychologically safe at work and to build a culture of feedback and trust with employees. Absolutely. Now to spread the word and to bring in more employers and therefore help more people in the workforce, you've, you've got to market the business. What are you doing to market and acquire new customers? Yeah, we've, we've been doing a lot of that lately. Early on, it was really just word of mouth and our customers were thankfully happy and would tell others about it. And I think the HR, HR world is, is in some ways a small world, right? Like there's, um, there's people that move from company to company and they all kind of know each other. And so um, early on, it was mostly word of mouth. Um, and then as we started to think about, you know, how we can spread the word about all voices beyond just our customers telling other people that they like the product, um, we've done a few things. So we've started doing webinars. Um, we've done quite a few of those. Those have been super successful at not only spreading the word about all voices, but really giving us a chance to like highlight some of the leaders in this space who are doing great things at their companies around diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, culture, uh, creating psychologically safe work environments. So that's been really fantastic. We've just started doing those over the past few months. Um, and then we've also invested a lot of time and energy into content because to your point earlier, the content can also help our customers um, kind of be aware of trends and best practices and know what, you know, other HR leaders are doing in the space and how they're helping employees feel heard. And um, there's definitely even like a compliance element to our tools. So starting to do some of, of uh, some of our content around compliance has been really interesting. Um, so I think those are two kind of newer initiatives that we've taken on that I think have really been effective so far. And we're going to be doing a lot more of both of those um, in the months to come. The webinar is a great idea. You see, I think it's it's a, a wonderful opportunity to educate and present yourselves and put a human face to the business. How do you find people to bring into that webinar as attendees? What are you doing? Uh, is it existing customers and then asking them to refer in or you just promoting via LinkedIn and so on? What are you doing to fill those? Yeah, I think um, it's a combination of things. So we've built a pretty strong network of experts over the past few years working in this space. So um, in some cases, like we talked about earlier, um, we'll want to highlight, for example, um, an expert on diversity, equity, and inclusion who actually goes into companies and helps them improve their DEI practices. So that may be someone that we've already worked with and referred our customers to in the past that we like and trust. Um, and we'll say, Hey, do you want to join us for this webinar about, you know, how to retain employees and make them feel heard or whatever it might be. Um, 
So we have sort of an expert network. We have a really fantastic advisory board. So some amazing advisors, actually Susan Fowler, who I mentioned earlier is now on our advisory board. Um, we have a lot of people who come from HR backgrounds, um, who work on DEI or legal or some other kind of aspect of what we do. Um, so that's been in place. Also customers, we have some fantastic customers, um, and we like to have them involved in our webinars too. Um, sometimes it's someone we've been actually talking to on the sales side, but their company hasn't yet signed up with us or started working with us directly, but we still think that we, that they have some great insights to share. Um, so we're talking to, yeah. to people like that all the time. Um, so a lot of times we'll invite them as well. Yeah, very good. I'm always curious, how do you choose topics? Every business of any type, let alone in the HR world, there are so many topics they can cover and depth and breadth. How did you work out what you're going to cover in, for instance, your blog or your webinar topics or your eBooks, things like that? How have you sort of chosen what you'll be talking about? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think we try to stay really on top of like, what trends are we hearing about? What questions like do our customers have? Um, what are people, especially HR leaders grappling with? So um, we have a webinar coming up that's going to be focused on um, specifically on women in the workplace and how uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has, has really in unique ways um, set women back in terms of women's progress in the workforce. Um, so we know that that's something that's being talked about a lot. That's on the news that, um, HR leaders are concerned about, um, and thinking about and, and trying to figure out how to, um, reverse some of, some of what's happened over the past year. So, um, we try to think of topics that are timely, that we know are going to be interesting to our audience and that are kind of top of mind for our audience and relevant. Um, and also maybe that haven't been, um, that are a little bit more underserved. Like there, we haven't seen a webinar about that topic, or, um, oh. we haven't seen the kind of conversation framed in the way that we think is really interesting. So that's typically what we do. And we have a fantastic team, um, who is kind of thinking about this and working on it all the time. Good. And I've seen the site. There's some great content there. So if you're listening to this, go and check out the resources and things like that. But yeah, a couple of key points there for people listening that the latter one there you, you made about looking for underserved areas of content or information. I think that's a great idea because for instance, when the coronavirus hit and the global pandemic, global lockdown, suddenly everywhere, all I saw was how to manage a remote team. And, you know, it's interesting at first, but then it's, oh gosh, please stop talking about that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I'm glad you were looking for underserved areas. And then also just, yeah, to keep it interesting and focused on topics that people want to learn about, as opposed to just what some businesses do, where it's just me, 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 talk about me and what we're doing. And here's our latest news. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I like the focus. We going. really don't, we really try not to actually talk about us and what we're doing. We think it's much more interesting for our audience to actually hear from other people working in the space. Like yesterday, we did a, yeah. um, webinar on return to work and what kinds of challenges um, HR leaders are facing and thinking about that. And there's like a really robust Q and a features on the, on the webinar platform that we use. So 
Um, we were getting tons of questions from the audience and then presenting those to the panelists and letting them kind of respond in real time. So I think that type of um, really engaging content is, is so much more valuable oh, yeah. than yeah. us presenting, <laughs> you yeah. know, this yeah. is who we are at All Voices yeah. and this is what we do. So it literally is all the voices. And I might have to uh, attend that return to work webinar you got coming up because I was taking a walk in the park this evening and um, yeah, I, I bumped into someone and they went to shake my hand. I nearly, you know, re recoiled in disgust. So who knows how I'm going <laughs> to react to human life but when, when everything gets normal again. But just last one on the marketing stuff, you can tell I'm a marketing nerd, but years ago now, I guess, you got into Yahoo, so the finance side of Yahoo, and that did a great piece when you're launching the business. You know, so Yahoo's a big site. How did you get the press coverage? Yeah, that's a great question. So when we were launching, it was a really unique time. Um, so the as I mentioned, I read the Susan Fowler piece in um, the spring of, of 2017. Then there were a lot of sort of smaller articles over the course of that summer about specifically um, the sort of Me Too movement and how it was manifesting in the venture capital world. So interactions between founders and VCs and, you know, multiple times it was brought up that there is no HR in that situation, right? So even if something happens, um, founders often have no one to report that to. So... That was kind of like part of um, how I was thinking about what this could be. And then in October, um, right as I, right after I left my job or um, quit my job at Fox, um, that's when the Harvey Weinstein news came out. That's when the Me Too movement kind of exploded. Yeah. So it was interesting because I'd been working on and thinking about a solution to this problem, basically all of spring and summer finally had come up with like a prototype and had some people who had raised their hand and said, I want to be an investor. I want, I'll support you if you start this company. Um, so in that moment, um, people were thinking a lot about this issue, specifically the issue of harassment in the workplace and trying to think of like, what could solutions be? And it was just at that moment in time that I was able to raise my hand and say, actually, I've been working on a solution to this for six months. And here's what I think the solution is. Um, and um, decided I wanted to sort of announce this publicly because there was so much hand wringing about like, what are we going to do and what does the right solution look like? And I felt like all voices could be a piece of that puzzle. Um, so I engaged um, a, a contact of mine who works in PR, she was able to pitch, you know, to Yahoo, to CNN, Variety. We got covered in all these different outlets because the story was so different, right? It wasn't, what are we going to yeah. do about these problems? It was, we have something and we have this person who just resigned from her, you know, executive level job at a, at a major studio to, to work on a solution. So I think that's the reason that we were able to get coverage. It was a combination of like the story was interesting and different and it was highly relevant and on the top of everyone's mind at that time brilliant yeah i can remember the years and years ago when I, when I started my business and i went to a pr course or something or some seminar on pr type things i had no clue at this stage and it was just full of people saying uh, i've just 
painted my wall pink, you know, will that be an interesting press release or we've, we've launched a new product product line. Is that an interesting thing? It's never that it's, it's about the angle. And it's a bit like you mentioned earlier with the content, what's interesting for other people. So yeah, I love the fact that you've been working on it as an overnight success. Let's say you've been doing all this work up until the, the Weinstein stuff hits. And then I guess you probably leverage the interest in that area uh, in a very clever way with the PR and your, and your contact there. So yeah, did a great job. I'm curious, how did it feel when, when you're quitting your job? Because yeah, you were a, a vice president at 20th Century Fox. That's a, a big moment. How did that feel? It felt, I, I felt very excited about what I was doing. It's interesting. I, um, I never set out to be an entrepreneur. That was not my plan. I didn't have in the back of my mind, I'm going to start a company and go off on my own. Um, I was very content actually in my job at Fox. Um, I had a great job, great teammates working with some fantastic people. Um, so it was actually, I was very torn, um, because (laughs) every night I would go home and I would think about and obsess about this topic and this product that I was imagining. And I would, it was like so magnetic to me. Like it kept drawing me back, even as I tried to, you know, go to work during the day and focus on my day job. Um, I just kept feeling pulled back to doing something in this space. Um, and so it was really hard at some point I was like, okay, I have to go do this. Like I have to, I have to make a decision here. Um, and it was really hard to tell my boss, um, my boss's boss, like I, and it was a little bit before the Harvey Weinstein news had come out. So I think there was a feeling of like, really, like, what's the point of this? I can imagine it's a pretty awkward conversation to say to your boss and your boss's boss, look, I'm leaving to go and form a platform where people can can, uh, report harassment about their bosses. Yes. And I wanted to make it very clear, like this has nothing to do with anything I've experienced here. This is not me too. No. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Uh, Okay. So to to wrap things up, I'm very curious, like you've got a a very interesting position in the world uh, and what you're doing is amazing. So What do you see coming down the line in terms of changes for HR and the world of work? And what's your advice to people listening on how to manage that? We talked a lot about the Me Too movement. And I think that was a really kind of pivotal moment in history, Um, not just because of any individual or any single company that got called out publicly, right? But because I think there was sort of a shift change at that moment. And what I mean by that is, Up until Me Too, it seemed, at least from my vantage point, that if there was harassment happening at a specific company, leaders could basically, and it came out, you know, to the public, A, it wasn't really covered that much, um, and B, leaders could say, oh, well, we didn't know that was happening. And that was actually seen as a perfectly acceptable excuse at the time. Um, So anytime before like 2017, I think that's kind of, that was the sort of state of the world was, and eh, you don't really need to be responsible for knowing everything that's going on with your employees who possibly could, you know, we won't penalize you in any way, um, in the public eye, at least for not knowing about what was happening. And I think after me too, and during me too, what changed was that suddenly company leaders were being held accountable for harassment, discrimination, mistreatment that was happening within their culture, even if they said we had no idea this was happening. 
the response was kind of too bad. It's your responsibility to know that this is happening. So company leaders all of a sudden were being held accountable um, in the public eye and judged very publicly um, for actions their employees were taking, even if they claimed to not know about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what changed with me too. And I think we saw it a bit again, um, just over this past summer with um, everything that was happening with the anti-racism movement, which is continuing to happen. Right. But um, after George Floyd, you know, a lot of companies started posting black squares and solidarity mm-hmm. um, saying, you know, we stand with black lives matter. Um, but employees were very publicly calling them out and saying, they may say this on social media, but behind the scenes, this is what it's like to work here. This is the way that black employees are treated. Um, this is the type of inequality that's being perpetuated at this company. And it was very reminiscent of the me too movement in that companies were again, being kind of called out publicly, um, being held accountable. There were, you know, executive and other leaders that were stepping down from these companies as a result. Um, So I think what that showed is that over time, the issues themselves will change. Um, The nature of the incidents that are being talked about in any given moment. Um, But what is here to stay is that companies now need to know what's going on with their employees. They are responsible to have that information and to create a safe environment for employees to speak up. Um, and that is, I think, something that will continue for a very, very long time. So I think part of the future of work is that companies more and more are going to be looking for additional ways to um, help employees speak up as early as possible about whatever they're experiencing so that they can take action so that they can avoid being called out publicly um, or having their reputations damaged because of um, because of not providing a way for employees to speak up or not being responsive enough to employees. Absolutely. And that point you make about the leaders previously claiming ignorance about a topic and, and, and getting away with it, let's say, I noticed on, on the website, there's mention of SOX, so Sarbanes-Oxley, the, I think that's sort of financial controls, et cetera, legislation on, on the financial and operational management side of things. But I, I believe your platform is SOX compliant anyway, but it, it moves into that field where leaders can't get away with that kind of behavior or attitude anymore. So I really like that, that we've moved beyond there. And now yeah. this is facilitating uh, better performance across the board in this area. Yes, exactly. I mean, we do have the ability to serve as a as a whistleblower hotline for our customers so that they are SOX compliant. We have a number of public companies on the platform using us in that way. Um, but employees don't see, employees aren't thinking, okay, these five things that happened are definitely illegal. These four things are gray area. These three things are probably not illegal. And I should go to all these different places to report these different things. We think it's best for a company to just have one resource where they send employees um, if they're uncomfortable raising something directly to a manager or to an HR leader. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Claire, we've covered so much ground here and I think it's a brilliant uh, platform. I love what you're doing with it and helping employers and employees across industries and hopefully across the world. If people want to learn more or refer customers to partner with you, something like that, what should they do next? So you can check out 
uh, our website, which is allvoices.co. Um, you'll be able to see all the different solutions that we provide. Um, we didn't talk much about this, but the case management system that we've built for HR leaders, which has been really valuable to them in terms of um, tracking and managing all employee relations issues, whether brought up through the All Voices platform or through another channel. Um, So you can check out more about that on our site. We're active on all of, you know, the major social media channels. So Twitter, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Instagram, and then, yeah, we have a blog on our site. We have a place on our site where you can um, request a demo of the tool if you want to learn more. So I would say just go to our site and, and you can jump off to anything that you like. Perfect. All right. Well, we'll have the link to that, but it's allvoices.co, as Claire said, and we'll have that link in the show notes as well. But Claire, that just leads me to say thank you very much for sharing your story and for sharing the All Voices platform with us today. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. It was great chatting with you. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.